0: Welcome to Cross Section, a show discussing all things design and construction. Your hosts, Alex Regnery, project manager and self-proclaimed recovering architect, and myself, Nathaniel St. Jean, registered architect and builder, tackle the vast spectrum of our fields. Whether you're a seasoned pro, student, or just generally curious about the industry, there's something for everyone. And don't worry, there's plenty of nonsense and humor to lighten the mood. So let's get started. All right. Welcome back to the show, everyone. As always, I'm Nathaniel St. Jean. He's Alex Regnery. And we have a very interesting show in store for you today. We're going to be uh, unpacking or unboxing the phases of design, something Alex and I know a lot about as architects. And it's something that we get questions about fairly frequently. So we figured we would talk about it. Uh, But, First, I figured let's transition to something we always seem to talk about. And at this point, it might have to just become a segment on the show. And for right now, I I don't have a name for it yet. So I'm just going to call it Anything New. (laughs) What's up? What's
1: up? Anything new? You're asking me?
0: Sure. Anything new with you? (laughs) What's oh, what's
1: what's up? Well, let's see. Uh, since the last time we talked, um, I've added uh, one more of the presidents to our uh, our forty-eight four thousand footers, which is Mount Jackson. That was pretty cool. We did that. It's Monday. It was a week ago. Yesterday, actually, we did oh, it on nice. Sunday, and uh, yeah, it was an incredible. Unbelievable, clear blue sky day. We did the Jackson-Webster loop. It was about, I think it was about six-ish miles. Um, and I believe some time ago, I incorrectly stated that Mount Pierce was the last of the president, the most Southern uh, in the presidential range but
0: someone but I, called you out
1: <laughs> well so it is because i thought that jackson was not one of the 4000 footers but it is one of the 4000 footers uh so yeah the map and uh in in the all trails map it, app uh called me out on it <laughs> um it, actually i think in a conversation somebody thought that Jackson was not one of the 4,000 footers. So I had it in my mind that Pierce was the last of the four. Anyway, anyway, it was an awesome, oh my God, incredible day, clear blue sky, uh, great, great hike, um, and uh, hardly any wind at the top. So that was a bluebird day. Nice. And then and then, just this past weekend on Friday afternoon, actually, we, we kind of alternate weekends between the 4,000 footers and then another hike and of course with spring here uh breaking that we'll, we'll probably be throwing in of course some our kayak trips but nice. we, we do uh um on the on the off weekends um oh I forgot to grab a beer like you got <laughs> we do some you know just not not as intense ones but uh did three peaks in the Belknap range oh nice that's pretty cool Yeah, we did. Gunstock, Belknap Piper, Loop. So you know, so there's twelve peaks in the Belknap range. You know, you can track them and get a patch for that one. It's all about the patches. <laughs> so that was a good one. It's about five miles or so. So oh,
0: stuff. cool. Yeah. How in, about you? In a yeah, similar vein. It's it's that time of year where we start getting back outside. So it was yeah, last weekend, the uh, future brother-in-law and I went up to go. uh Take a stab at fly fishing for the first time this season. And oh nice. Yeah. Fly fishing this time of year? That, yeah. But great. yeah, so they uh they typically like start stalking all the rivers and streams. And so we we went up to uh up around Goffstown and what was it? I think it was last weekend we went. Beautiful day, but absolutely freezing that are like fishing lines were freezing they're icing over so we couldn't cast our lines (laughs) oh
1: no way oh that's interesting
0: so we're trying to beat the rush of everyone up getting up there and starting to really go fishing yeah and uh we we got skunked so (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> so we'll have to go out sometime soon because it is slowly every weekend it gets a little warmer right so we'll have to go back up there and, and get back on the water because it is it's that perfect time of year you just want to get outside but march in april it's it's so tough because it could be 60 or 70 degrees one day and then the next day it's back in the 40s or high 30s
1: <laughs> oh i know like today is just horrible right yeah. You can get out of the 40s. But no, that was the thing. So like when we did Jackson, it was so literally a week ago, right? And um, of course, you're up in the White Mountains. And so there's there, there going to be snow capped for a while still. Right. And that was, other than the temperature, I think it was in the 20s. Um, it might have gotten up into the low 30s, uh, below oh, um, below summit. and um, But it was full winter. I mean, we're we're hiking in the right. full bikes and or micro spikes and snow packs, <laughs> pack snow trails and everything. Belknap Range, it was the weirdest thing, not having all that gear. Um, right, we could have had. I had a long sleeve shirt on, so my wife we could have had t shirts. <laughs> we were sweating the entire way up and down. And and in hiking on leaves, you know, we've been used to hiking
0: in the snow the whole winter. Right, right.
1: So, oh, it's totally you gotta your body's gotta read, readjust. It takes a little time.
0: That that's just it. That's just it. So I mean in the weeks to come, I guess we'll have some more more outdoor stories because yeah, fishing, kayaking, bike riding, that time of year. Love it. <laughs> All right. What are we talking about today. Yeah. So let's get back to the show here, the actual content that we have in store for you. So as I mentioned to our listeners, you and I are going to unpack the design phases or the the process of design to some extent um, that are pretty common to kind of, I'll call it the architectural process, but again, we can unpack what that means. Um, So I think, what a lot of people want to know, right, is when they hire an architect, which is an episode that is already out, that people can listen to how to hire an architect, you and I talked about um, kind of a process, right? When you hire an architect, you're going through this process of design. And then I think it was you or I who mentioned that there are these phases that one goes through when they, when they do this. Yeah. Um, So I figured we're going to spend today kind of unpacking what those phases are, why they're significant, why they're important. And then maybe at the end, I know that uh, we're we're talking in these generalities around these phases, but given current practice, there's actually bigger picture things that are starting to happen with the design process. So I think let's get into it here and and start with the overall phases, Uh, the very first one being pre-design. Which uh, should be pretty intuitive there. Pre-design, it's something that you start before design. But when we're talking about pre-design, Alex, what does that generally mean for from an architectural sense?
1: Yeah. So what it what it means is, um, yeah, like you said, it's before you actually start designing, before you start putting pencil to paper, so to speak it's in, it's the information gathering phase. Right. So, and this is whether you are designing a, um, you know, um, hundreds of thousands of square feet of, of, uh, industrial plant or a school or, you know, 3000 square foot home. And, um, and so it's information gathering, right? So, uh, and it, it it's, it's idea gathering. It's getting all the ideas kind of on the table in order to start talking about, well, you're, you're asking more questions about the problem that you're trying to solve as opposed to looking for any kind of solution, right? So you're asking a lot of questions. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I was doing residential work, um, as opposed to like big commercial pro- projects, right? That, that pre-design phase can be a couple, that can be a couple meetings of conversation about what it is that they want to incorporate in their home. They, you know, the, the owners um, might be pulling out pictures out of magazines of things that they've seen. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just gathering information, also getting to know each other and, you um, um kind of you know learning per you know, about each other's personalities and and you know how do you live you know you want a uh, you want a four bedroom home and you have two kids and everything but how do you li- how do you live differently than anyone else how will you utilize you are showing me a picture of a kitchen you like but how will you utilize it differently
0: right yeah it's one could think of it too like it's a, like a research phase, right? The architect, or the designer, they're doing a lot of, yeah, like you were saying, questioning of their client because they really want to try to tease out exactly what it is that they're looking for. Because as we've talked about in previous episodes, clients have an idea of the scope, but they might not have it pinpointed yet. So this pre-design is a really a great uh, stage where the architect can help tease out the essence of what they're trying to do, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and when, and, and when you start talking about scope and equating it to dollars, the other important thing in pre-design is um, learning about the site, right? There may be yeah. things that you start uncovering about the site, again, whether it's a house or a school or anything um, that you didn't previously know that impacts the scope and ultimately... Um, and ultimately the dollars
0: generally too in this phase i know a lot of times sometimes a lot of times sometimes let me back up there <laughs> sometimes you have uh people talk about these uh, things called feasibility studies Yep. right when they hear about they have a new school is going to be uh, constructed but they need to produce, they, they hire an architect or a planner to do a feasibility study. Generally, what, is that, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, a feasibility study, um, it starts to examine, um, it starts to examine the, uh, not, try not to use the word, feasibility but you know how feasible is it yeah um and and it's not just a question of yes or no right it's it's it also starts to establish some expectations um and yeah it, it that's right it is part of the pre-design stage um and uh, um it, it, you know it's an important it it might be an important um an important study to be done for a particular project yeah. in the case of in the case of of um a house let's say you know depending on where the site is and you know in big sur is it actually you know on the edge of a cliff is it actually feasible to attach this house you know to the to the to the rock that's <laughs> hanging this this cliff right um, it, 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 maybe you've seen it as, as the, as the owner 20 times before right. I want to do that. Well, is it feasible actually on this particular site?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's part of that information gathering, right? You're doing your due diligence to kind of test the waters. I mean, you could for residential, uh, clients you do, uh, who want additions or, yeah. Primarily additions actually is a good example, right? You, you go through the feasibility of determining if an addition is possible on your lot based on zoning mm-hmm. requirements, based on where you're, if you have a septic system, right? Uh, larger projects like you're saying might include, it might be regulations that come around that, right? If you want a, a new school, if it's the site they're looking at is maybe in wetlands, right? They have to actually vet exactly. the site. Um.
1: Yeah. And then the other aspect of feasibility studies with that impacts any of these things we're talking about, but the other aspect of it that's pretty important, probably more so in larger, you know, more complex commercial type projects is are the potential, is it feasible to spend these potential dollars on this? Yep. Does it, does it make sense? Yeah in so, the bigger in the bigger planning of you know the business or the school or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah so unpack that a little bit right because if anyone is thinking about doing a project, they're in this kind of pre-design phase of it, they already have an architect on board. How do they go about thinking about cost at that stage? Because they don't yet have a design.
1: They don't have a design and there certainly is not scope identified now there might be big picture conceptual aspects of scope let's say that you're renovating you know a 20-story apartment building um you can start conceptually again before you start designing um you can start conceptually thinking about scope okay we have a twenty-story building, and it's X square feet, or or whatever, and you can start applying, um, you know, unit costs. And so, what you're really doing, from a cost standpoint, it it, it is establishing target costs that 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 are aligned with um, that are that are aligned with expectation, right? And probably that feasibility study. Right, because if you start finding out something in that feasibility study that you weren't previously aware of, does it make sense to now? You know, if you had just the sake of numbers, I had a million dollars in my head, and now you have to spend a hundred a uh, one point five million because of something you had no idea about. You know, does it make sense?
0: Right, right.
1: The so target costs.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's very important in. And once you get past that, right, say everything checks out, it looks good. you actually then move into that next phase, right? You'd start that, what we're going to call the schematic design phase or SD phase. And that's where you start to actually flesh out some design, right? You get to play around with what what the sh- thing is.
1: Right. And, but now one thing, the, the last thing we should remember in pre-design is, the organization of those thoughts and ideas is turned into something we call a program, right? right. yep. Now, a program starts to define some things. It may be quantities of spaces, um, sizes of spaces, um, Not, but, but, you know, again, we're talking general. Um, it doesn't get into specifics of things, but a, uh, it, so a list, um, a program of spaces, and um, and characteristics of those types of spaces, right? And that is what. Once that is literally signed off on, signed off on, and, and approved, then you are officially entering into schematic design. Right. Cause,
0: yeah, because that's the quantifiable information that the architect or designer is then going to use to inform the decision to move forward there. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So generally, I mean, what ha- schematic design? Obviously, it sounds from the very big picture. That's where everyone gets really excited, right? Especially from the client end because they're starting to see for the very first time visual information that relates to their vision and their idea.
1: Right. So from when we talked about in pre-design, this um, information and idea gathering phase. So now we're talking about taking those ideas and exploring those ideas. Yep. Right. Um, Relative to the site um, in in orientation of the site, you know. Um, And so it's intended to be explorative. There's no one solution to what you're trying to do um whatever you know again whatever whatever the project is um and so oftentimes you know the designer can start looking at different options um you know with with whatever not only the overall building but specifics of it you know where certain spaces are located and
0: yeah yeah we can uh and i'll also people might have heard them as referred to as schemes, right? So you can look at a scheme in a variety of different ways, like you're saying. So you can have an overall like volumetric layout of a space, but you could have a couple of schemes, a couple options of that overall volume, depending on the client need or within the volume that the client already really enjoys. You could have a variety of different layouts within that space that starts to, tease out exactly what the overall vision ties back to. Um,
1: yeah. And a really good, um, a really good architect. This is, this is their strong point, right? When you, you've, we've all heard about, you know, architects sketching on a napkin or <laughs> idea on a napkin, right. And all those, you know, really, you know, sort of classic images, of a building that you can barely tell it's a building from that, one of those initial sketches that, you know, an architect has done, any architect has done, but, you know, you know, Scarpa or Mies van der Rohe or Frank Gehry, right? They're classic and they're from that initial, uh, the schematic design phase and, um, And it's an idea. It's a graphic representation of an idea.
0: Yeah. So what generally, I mean, I have my own process on this, but just out of for for your own thought here. Generally, someone goes through the schematic design phase, what we're talking about, they start to see the thing, uh, see their structure, see their building, whatever it is how do they do that? How, what are they looking at physically? Is this something that's on the computer? Is it printed? Like what, what are we talking about architecturally?
1: Well, of course today it depends. Um, so in terms of drawings though, um, you're looking at floor plans, um, even elevations, site plans, uh, they might start looking at sections and things although sometimes though those don't mean a whole lot to necessarily the the client but and so those can be um, those can be looked at either in an actual hard copy drawing right on paper um, anymore today you know people are doing this of course on the computer and yep. um, you know you can see even at this, schematic design phase, you know, at this level, you can start to see form and things and fly throughs and a model. And, um, and so it can be in a lot of different forms, you know, Uh, but I think uh, anymore it's, you're seeing a lot of this, probably in this early stage, the schematic phase is probably looking at floor plans, right? You're trying to organize the, you're trying to organize the program
0: hmm yeah and you're getting i think within those drawings too in those of us who have gone through this process you'll notice that those drawings look very different at this stage than they do down the line right it, they contain very big picture information like you're saying it's the
1: overall, oh, 100%.
0: Yep. right overall layout of spaces overall right. dimensions of spaces overall program it's very big picture um Which I guess leads to a question, though, is like with that big picture information, like how at this stage does a client know the cost of their project? Is it concrete at this point, the cost, or is that still an evolving thing?
1: Definitely evolving, not concrete. Um, and, And that is actually a really good point and good question here, because I think too many people too quickly want to get to that dollar value um and again it always it just it depends on the scale of the project and what you're doing it can be a house it can be you know multi-million dollar commercial type project um but we have some things that are quantifiable right so now when the architect starts physically drawing and putting scale to spaces in the overall building you know uh how many floors it is of course you start putting scale to it so you can start um the a contractor uh, at this point can start um, can start quantifying that right, but it but it is a per the name of the phase it is a schematic cost estimate right. It's a cost estimate. What will also typically be done at this phase is they build it. The contractor, the construction manager if it does go that route right we'll talk about that i know in a little bit here but um is to build in what we call design contingency so what does design contingency mean into the estimate what it means is um the design is not complete that all the way down to the wall section that wall assembly just for an example, is not complete at this phase. Right. Every detail, maybe some ideas on what the skin of the building might be, the siding, things like that, the demonstration. So,
0: but you're saying too, just so we're on the same page, right, is like we know that there is going to be a wall there. We don't necessarily know yet what that wall is composed of.
1: Exactly. The makeup of it, right? For a, for a contractor to understand all the components of that wall. Um, and so what that design contingency does at this phase, at the schematic design phase, um, is it builds in for those potential costs. It's not to be thought of as adding cost all right is a part of the overall estimate and as we start to unpack going into dd and cd design development sort of documents that design contingency starts to get reduced right now the thing is not fully designed and so we you're basically like putting in a contingency from what we don't know yet right right and that is typically done um by a percentage it can be i mean it can be as high as 25% um it you know again depending on the complexity of the project it could be 10 15
0: 20%. yeah and so that my own experience that, that typically is not happening in like a resident a small residential project you're seeing this happen at larger scale projects at the institutional commercial level but I think within that schematic design, though, a lot of homeowners are wondering, well, is this the phase where I start to select my kitchen cabinets and my door hardware? And I think that's what gets at your kind of design contingency point here is those are things that will come out down the road. Schematic design is the big picture, right? We need the overall understanding of space before we get into Mm -hmm. the details.
1: Yeah, you definitely don't want to start. You're, you're with a house, you know, you're, you're, you are definitely thinking about those kind of things, <laughs> but you definitely don't want to be selecting them um, in terms of, you know, the exact product and how many and all that. Cause you don't, you don't really know that yet.
0: Right. right. Cause... And
1: if you really got granular on these phases with a home, which it certainly does, you know, there, there are certainly homes that are designed full services by architects. You, you, would, you, you would likely build in this design contingency, right? Um, yep. just, to, just to understand that, you know, you don't want to be surprised with it at the end.
0: Right. Yeah. So if anything, too, maybe another way to, for listeners to think about this is could they base the cost of their project off of the overall, uh, loosely, based on the overall square footages that are starting to be established? It starts there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So I guess once schematic design is done then, right, the overall design is kind of bought by the client. Everyone is on the same page. They're happy mm-hmm. with the direction that the project is going. What What happens next? I mean, how do you progress the design? What phase does it go into? Or.
1: Yeah, so again, you definitely um, – before we move into what's called design development, is is sort of that sign off of the schematic design. You probably don't want to be undecided on certain options, like whether you know the garage should be on the north or the south end of the house, right? Like those things should
0: major so decisions.
1: <laughs> major decisions need to be made, and that's where you know again those different options and schemes that you look at in schematic design. Um, you're, you're trying to sort all of that out, and then once yeah, everybody's on the same page with it, we're going in the right direction. Now the architect is going to start developing that design, their drawings to the next to the next level in design development. DD
0: Yeah. yeah, so DD is kind of an interesting phase. Now this is a phase in my own experience and in my own practice. Is uh, is sometimes just skipped entirely, and we'll get into why that potentially is true. But design development, DD, is a phase where you are fleshing out more of the details, right? So like you were saying earlier in schematic design, you may not necessarily know what the wall, what, what the composition of the wall is. DD is a potential phase where you start to do that or start to flesh out the type of systems that are now going in here, right?
1: Exactly. Yep, for for sure. And making all those things sort of start to align with each other, right? Like you mentioned systems, the big one, HVAC, but, you know, any of them, plumbing and and electrical.
0: Yep. So for clients, uh, again, residential clients, what's happening in schematic design is you probably noticed your architect or designer was leaving, large spaces or void spaces for future mechanical usage, right? But not necessarily knowing what goes in there yet, they get into design development now realizing, Oh, we need to put an HVAC system in here. So we're running <laughs> some, some we, these spaces that we put in here intentionally are for duct work or it's to run your plumbing, uh, vents or, or what have you. Uh, so it's, it's really a phase where you, uh, you're, you're literally fleshing out all of these more granular decisions around. Yeah,
1: that's, that's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And, and starting to hone in on uh, what materials you, there, and you might be looking at different options still in design development, as far as materials on the building, um, you know, on the roof or whatever it might be. Um, and again, you're not, you've already made the big design decisions. Now it's, you know, to start honing this design and, um, and kind of putting it, putting it all together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, this is a stage where now the design is starting to be documented more thoroughly. Right. So you talk with yep. saying this plans, elevations, maybe some sections, but here you're now going to start to see a lot more annotations on these drawings because it's going to provide more quantifiable information for the contractor or the CM.
1: Yeah, exactly. Things like not only notes on those elevations and wall sections, but even schedules Mm -hmm. looking at, you know, interior room, finish schedules. And this is definitely the time when they start developing door and hardware schedule, certainly the door schedule. Um, so you can start quantifying again and in um, understanding, uh, you know, those kinds of systems yep, more, more, yeah. more detail.
0: Yeah. More detail. I mean, when we talk about systems, generally what are we talking about? Like big picture, what, what type of systems are starting to be uh, inserted into the project during this phase?
1: Yeah. So when I, when I, Think, you know, when I hear the word systems, um, I think of door systems, I think of window systems, I think of even, you know, typically you might think it's just mechanical, electrical and plumbing systems, but, you know, a roof system, a wall, um, exterior wall system, right? Even if it's just siding, right? That's a... That's a system. Um, and of course, they could get even far more complex than that and rain screen and all that, but um, the the all these different systems in a building comprise of any of those kinds of things, right? Um, but otherwise, yeah, plumbing, mechanical, electrical, those systems as well.
0: How do we know when we're done, DD? Oh boy.
1: So <laughs> we are st- still unraveling some decisions right in DD. We've already gone through the big design decisions. You know, the garage on the north or south side, that was an SD. Uh, but again, with, with materials and things like that, when are we done is when both the the solution, the overall design is solving the client's need and aligned now with a more detailed, not final cost estimate. This is a DD estimate. What you're doing from schematic design to DD is you're reducing that design contingency Now to speak to like single family homes and you don't talk about design contingency a lot, like we said, but in terms of what you, what you know, what you've been thinking about sort of that contingency, right? You might've learned in DD, Oh, you know, that is a great idea with that, with that um, connection between my garage and my house like that you know, mudroom, sunroom, you know, and um, so you, the more you solve those design issues in DD, the more you start reducing that, the, that design contingency or those unknowns, right? It doesn't mean it's reducing necessarily the overall estimate, but you're reducing the unknowns. You're starting to now um finalize those designs design decisions right
0: right right yeah and you're getting into the weeds a little bit more and you're identifying more than what you would in in sd to get more quantifiable information that then relates to the cost of the project yeah and so i guess it yeah it's at that point when there's that understanding and the architect is comfortable in the Client is comfortable that you have a sign-off, again, kind of an official sign-off on DD, and you get into that next phase. Um, Again, this is where it can deviate a little bit depending on the scale and the type of the project, but I think kind of an an interim phase here that I want to include is kind of a bid document or permit document set of drawings that can be used to bid out the project or to obtain a permit for a project. Um, But that drawing set is not necessarily going to contain the final uh, drafted set of drawings that will be used for construction. They're simply going to be used with enough information to gain like pricing, uh, final pricing from a contractor or obtain a uh, permit from a uh, building department
1: yeah and that can be true so these <clears throat> these bidding documents slash permit documents yeah in a more complex project um and also if the if the schedule needs to be accelerated a little bit, right so you can start to obtain a um a permit for like up through foundations. So you can get that package out first um, in order to get that permitting um even even the approvals or the approvals with local jurisdictions building yep. it's basically right um and also like you said bid if um if it is an overall set not for final for construction yet but considered a bid document so that the contractor can competitively either the architect has the project competitively bid or a construction manager allows him time to competitively bid all the, the trade
0: work. Right. Right. So that, that one's going to be highly dependent on the project type yep. and the scale of the project. So what's generally going to happen is you'll get into the the coveted <laughs> construction document <Yep>. phase and <laughs> This is the, the meat of the process, right? This essentially the construction documents is the the how-to manual or the 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 overall guide to how the thing is going to be built.
1: Yeah. And this is so this is the the architect as artist now turns into a machine. <laughs> <laughs> this is production, right?
0: Yes, production.
1: This is pure production. Um and so it's although it's not to be thought of as this phase where the architects go off to their office and close the doors and live <laughs> there for days on end and you don't talk to them. Um very important, certainly in more as more projects as projects get more complex, but a very important coordination phase. So not only internally with the architect and their consultants engineers and mechanical design and civil and all kind of stuff but with the owner the client yep. and now coordinating some very specific things you know we work at a university right and in that cd phase which is the longest phase it's the longest phase of, of any of these because now they're getting into all of the final technical details um you know coordinating with a university with all of our facilities needs and 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 standards and um and all those sorts of things so
0: yeah yeah you kind of hit it it, on the it,
1: it's 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 an inclusive involved phase with a lot of
0: people yeah and that you, you mentioned uh, a kind of a key component there is is it's technical information right that has to now be conveyed and that technical information is now going to involve more stakeholders to assure that everyone is all in alignment to what is being produced, right? That's really key to this phase.
1: Exactly, yep, that's right.
0: Because a, a poorly coordinated, a poorly aligned uh, set of drawings during this phase is gonna uh, produce a lot of headaches when the drawing set is released and you have to go now into construction.
1: And headaches that equate with dollars.
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: a well-coordinated node. there is no such thing as a perfect set of drawings um but uh the the less imperfect they can be um it's better obviously for everybody not just the client most importantly the client and and the dollars but um you know contractors their time and scheduling and their dollars and
0: Yeah. Well, what's interesting too, I I don't think we touched upon this as we were going through here is because this is a separate thing that's slowly starting to be fleshed out is construction documents is you're not just producing the, uh, the drawings for the project. You're producing a project manual, which includes other information about the project, right? So when we're talking about the project manual, we're talking about more than just the drawings. Yep. The other things that are involved in this process. You're talking about specifications. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: uh, where the drawings provide um, information, obviously, graphically. Yep. And in that graphic representation is scale. It shows the intent of um, what the size of things are, the materiality might be. Um, What specifications do is start to tell you um, more specific and more technical information. For instance, A note on a drawing can say, um, single ply rubber roof that tells the contractor just enough information in terms of what that material is. And obviously with their own expertise in terms of the overall system and what's needed with a single ply rubber roof. Right. You go into the specification and it starts giving you all of this technical information in manufacturers warranty information. There is more than just one single ply rubber roof. <laughs> and so there's going to be different thicknesses and gauges and um ins- maybe even installation methods, etc. So um
0: so the specification you're saying it, it's really in uh, it's capturing every component of the construction project in some way.
1: It obviously it supplements the drawings, but they are integral to the, when, when you, when you, when you refer to construction documents, you're talking about drawings and specifications. Um, Obviously, depending on the less, the, on the complexity of a project, a less complex project, you, put, you can incorporate those specifications right into the drawings. Yep. You can annotate that information in the drawings.
0: Exactly. So for the listeners out there, I mean, in your experience, you've worked on some pretty large projects. How, uh, how big are these specifications? What are they? Oh.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, they can be, you can have multiple volumes. Um and, and not to get into the weeds too much with specs, but specs are broken down into divisions. Used to be sixteen divisions. <laughs> now there's I think there's almost or just over fifty divisions. And yep. there's a number in there that are that are um held <laughs> that are held for future expansion. And it's all because of all the technical the technology stuff. Um, and just how building materials and everything has has evolved, but anyway, broken down in divisions and um, the front end basically divisions zero and one. That can be that could almost that it, it, all the procurement and contracting and and all that stuff could be that could be an entire manual in itself. It's two and a half inches thick, but uh, I would say generally they're probably like two big thick books where you've got the front end and architectural, and then you've got all the system stuff, mechanical, electrical plumbing, you know, low voltage stuff and conveying systems like elevators or whatever.
0: It's uh, yeah. Well, no, not to get too deep into there because we could definitely spend a whole uh, yeah. whole period of time talking about it, but it's fascinating, right? That, uh, the more complex these projects become, the larger these spec books come. And it's going to come to a point where it, it's going to be too much information, right? We're talking, when you when you say volumes, for those listening, we're talking about r- multiple reams of paper.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, 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 can be, uh, it can be brutal. And then the old adage that, well, nobody reads the specs anyway, uh, which is not true. It can't, right. be, it can't true be true. Right. a lot of people are in trouble right. for a lot of reasons. So,
0: yeah, no. So that, that's a, a topic we can certainly circle back on. So, I want to kind of keep us on track on these our, these design phases. So, <clears throat> construction documents. We finished the drawings. We finished that kind of how-to manual of of drawing and specifications. It, now we're ready to construct the building. We have a a manager or a contractor on board. Um, the design must be done, I would think, right? The the drawings are done. The architect is, is over their work. And now they're just going to sit back in a lounge chair and watch the project go up. But, That's
1: right. That's
0: right. <laughs> but that can't be the case. Uh, no,
1: no, <laughs> um, no. Nope. Construction administration, CA, or observation, construction observation, uh, for the from the architect standpoint, they are obviously heavily heavily involved. They represent the owner to make sure that um, uh, things are um, are that that the the result is what was intended per the design, and obviously, thus the, the client. Um, they can that can um, include at least at minimum a weekly site visit um and again depending on the complexity of projects of a, of a project um you know job meetings um that that include everyone job meetings are typically run by the contractor um although um in public works projects they are typically run by the architect um and so it's it's a heavily involved uh, collaborative process
0: during uh, construction. Yeah, and, and during this, so construction administration, um, progress is happening on the physical thing, right? Because architects, we're not dealing with the physical, we're dealing with these, these two-dimensional <laughs> representations of the physical thing. But yep. while the project is being constructed, is design done completely? Like, is the architect done drawing? no
1: uh there's going to be a need for there is always a need for clarification um again drawings are not going to be perfect where they're showing every single view of every single condition (laughs) um and you know, and then you get into existing uh, buildings and you know renovations and alterations. Existing buildings, the unknowns that 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 you can come across there. But there's also unknowns you can come across in any construction, new or or renovation.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, particularly with site work. You know, you can have all of the um, feasibility work done uh, in that pre-design phase for a site, um, and you come across something in the ground that. You know, you had no idea it was there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so uh, architects are providing the information that's needed to clarify those um, those conditions. Sometimes they can result in a revision, which may result in a change order um, that typically come with a with a dollar value. Sometimes it can be a zero dollar change order um but no the the architect is absolutely involved um you know still doing doing drawings
0: yeah yeah it's a classic you've those who have participated in in project construction projects maybe have seen this uh residential commercial or at any scale really uh the architect on on site right kind of drawing something really quickly on a two by four or something, showing the contractor how this is, how these connections are going to work or something, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you gotta be careful with that too, because everything's <laughs> gotta be, everything's gotta be recorded. Yep, right?
0: That's right. Um, and then,
1: and, and, and of course, um, at the end here uh, with the, you know, as built because that it's a it's kind of a slang term, but what they're referred to as, as built, um, drawings as actually built
0: right? They're, they're,
1: if, if there are changes that were that are made
0: yep yep as built so the record set right is the, the record that's the, set yep. the final artifact of, of the built thing and a legal um, document yeah and a legally a legal document right for further um like, like you're saying documentation on this building and if anything arises down the line, if something went wrong, et cetera. Um, and there's certainly, there's plenty of st- stuff in CA that we can unpack, but I think it's definitely, those will be things down the road. You mentioned change orders. That's a big one. Um, but there's things like the punch list, certificate of occupancy, RFIs. Yeah. Those are all things that the architect is also going to be uh, kind of on top of during a, a construction project but I think so those will conclude kind of the major phases in a traditional design uh, process. But I know that with changing technologies and and complexities and projects that kind of traditional uh, methodology is, is changing. Right. During the process. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I think what's important here on that note, right, is to, um, especially for our our you know more novice listeners out there with when they're if they're considering um, hiring architect and trying to understand what all these phases mean and you know can we can we get rid of this phase to save money kind of thing right yep. yeah uh, <laughs> which, which which may be a consideration but. Is to first of all understand that it the design process is a flexible process, and um, take you know you want to take full advantage of it. Um, take advantage of all design considerations. Um, it is this process of discovery. When we talk about pre-design, you talk about ideas, and you're trying to think about ideas. You may uncover ideas about what it is you're trying to solve that you right. didn't previously even think of. And so take, you know, it's a process of discovery. Um, it's an analytic process. Um, you know, you're, you're analyzing, you're evaluating you're and, and selecting things, right. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat.
0: <laughs> right. Right. That, that iteration.
1: <laughs> and so What you were talking about, kind of the old school, uh, conventional method was, um, and it still lives today, but it's slowly um, um, moving into more of an integrated process here is, traditionally, client hires the architect, you get the design and they give it to the contractors to bid it, and get the best price, and you go build it, right? So, decisions during that process are made by fewer people, right? You, The client and the architect, you're the only ones making these design decisions. Oftentimes, too, the, um, it wasn't even internally with the designer like systems mechanical plumbing electrical systems were an afterthought right especially with 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 single family homes of um you want to get this great design from the architect and there's no consideration <laughs> about systems and then you come along as a client and say you know i want to uh i i i just learned about this you know you know, geothermal heating system that I want to incorporate. Oh, well, we're going to have to make these type of changes to the design. To do that. Right.
0: Right. Right.
1: So, um, you know, it wasn't a synergy synergetic process. Um, it's very constrained, right. Um, in terms of, uh, very, very limited constrained optimization, right. With thinking about design, um, that was always there was always an emphasis on upfront costs, right? Um, rather than life cycle type costs, you know, just again, thinking about a project holistically in every aspect.
0: And that's the tough sell, though, right? Because the, it, the integrated process allows for a more holistic understanding of the project from start to finish, in, including the life cycle of the project, but it, yeah. It is isn't that a tough sell for clients who are focused on dollars
1: well the more people that you include in the, in that process um, in in my mind is the more people are focused now on I don't like to use the term the you know um, the most the biggest bang for your buck, right? Because, or the most bang for your buck, because that was the conventional way of thinking. Right. The more people that you can get involved in this process, everybody wants to solve things the best way for the least amount of money. It, it doesn't do anything for a, a structural engineer, for an owner to spend more money right? Because um, all those costs, all those fees and everything, they're already figured out up front anyway. Um, now, yes, the more money you spend, the more money they make, but it's all about um, establishing, you know, a, a um, you know, the most optimum solution for the least amount of money. So you involve the architect, all of their consultants, even a contractor from day one in this process right because the contractor is there to help you establish these costs and if you as a client see costs starting to you know sort of push maybe your expectation of what you were originally thinking well first of all you have a bunch of people to tell you why you also have a bunch of people there to help you okay what other solution can we come up with to right. rein this thing back in
0: right and it's easier to do that up front
1: and it's easier to do it up front exactly that's where the key with target costs come in right and so you have a lot of people involved to help you make decisions help you make decisions to 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 establish those costs that align with your expectation
0: so the, the pitch from us architects is that as a client, as an owner, you could be spending the same amount of money potentially, but you're just spending it more kind of upfront with a bigger team to work through more holistically your project so that in the long run, there's less issue, right? And more is figured out with the more. team
1: exactly more is figured out and then a key word you said a few minutes ago is uh life cycle um both the um you know the sustainability of the building itself but life cycle costs um and so thinking of the integrated design process this what we're talking about here um you know being a whole systems thinking process um, even with life cycle costs with a mechanical system right how do you how do you think about reducing the impact of those co- of, of 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 an active mechanical system right 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 and so again, the more people involved with those decisions, you know, the orientation of the building and solar angles and all this kind of stuff, we start talking about passive design, but those things are important, right. To, to, for, for, um, this, uh, in this flexible integrated process.
0: Yeah, no. So I think it's definitely, as you said earlier, this is the direction that the field is going, um, and I, uh, I don't think it's because projects are becoming more complex. I think this is starting to just make more sense, right? Um, it's not, oh, no question. Yeah, it's not tied to complexity as some would argue. Um, very, which,
1: very true statement.
0: So it's it's definitely something to watch out for. It's as a as a client, if you're thinking about projects, starting a project, this is something to keep in mind, right? The more involved you can make your major stakeholders early in the process the the more beneficial it's going to be for all those stakeholders including you as the client Um, and when it comes down to dollars like you're saying it may cost a little more up front but it's going to save you so much time energy and and dollars down the road and uh, we can certainly get into other conversations down the road about that, such as how, how your project is delivered and, and contracted and that sort of thing. Cause there's savings there and advantages and disadvantages, but, but yeah, no, it's definitely something to, to be thinking about as you, as you think through these projects. Um, Great. So yeah, with that, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm going to call it a wrap. I think that's ending on a, on a good note there on the IDP process, uh, integrated design process, knowing that there is this kind of overarching traditional process from uh, pre-design all the way through CA. Uh, so just as a reminder for everyone, you can find literally all of our episodes on our website at tectonicanow.com slash podcast, or If uh, you're pretty savvy, you listen to pods somewhere else, you could check us out on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or on Anchor. And recently, if you find yourself being super fancy, you can find us over on the Instagram, over at Tectonica Now, um, where we post some updates when episodes are being launched and just some overall general content. So, That's a wrap. I think until next time, see you later.
1: All right. Good show.